0: ...means the ministry's interfering at Hogwarts. You're not going mad. You're just as sane as I am. I must not tell lies. You seem to be laboring under the delusion that I'm going to... What was the phrase? Come quietly. Hey everyone, welcome to Hogwarts, a podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hogwarts, a podcast. We are talking about Chapter 13, Detention with Dolores. I love the alliteration. (laughs) I bet you would. As you can tell by that laugh, Elizabeth (laughs) is with us. Hi guys. Uh, Before we get into the episode, I wanted to shout out Emma's profile, who left a comment on Spotify on our Book 1, Chapter 1 episode, where she said, quote, The episode is super good, you are so funny, and explain stuff I didn't catch when I read the series. End quote. Uh, That's really cool, because that's something that we try to do here, is uh, dig a little deeper.
1: Yeah, I feel like you catch something new every time you reread it.
0: It's one of the cooler things that (laughs) I've experienced doing this podcast. So, I hope that comes across, and um, thank you, Emma's Profile, for your comment.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you're enjoying it.
0: So, uh, Elizabeth has a lot to say on some of the classes... (laughs) that we experienced last chapter
1: okay to be fair you're like we need the teacher perspective and i'm the the podcast teacher that we have available so. her her
0: profession is literally <laughs> teacher in a school so yeah it's fun to get her perspective on uh, <laughs> on a lot of that so we'll get to that in a second but let me run down what actually happens in this chapter before we get to the last chapter <laughs> if that makes sense We get uh, more fallout from the Harry versus Umbridge of it all in yesterday's class. Mm -hmm. And we also get some looks at charms, transfiguration, care of magical creatures, and herbology Mm -hmm. in this chapter. We also get some interactions between Harry, Ron, and Hermione that I feel are very interesting. And we obviously get a round of detention, detentions detention. with Dolores. Mm-hmm. So we also get some Quidditch, we also get some Quidditch news. Yeah, a
1: little bit of Quidditch,
0: a little bit of Quidditch. So, I always love that. Before we get to the classes mentioned in this chapter, <laughs> uh, what were your, some of your thoughts on last chapter's classes?
1: All right, well, I, I personally love it whenever we have a deeper dive into actual classrooms i know everyone is always like oh it's so boring they're in school and i'm reading about harry just sitting in a classroom i love it but i have a bias um started with the history of magic and i 100 percent agree with you and molly's take and harry's take on professor ben's i think that if history of magic were done by somebody else it could be a super super fun class anybody
0: else or just a living person
1: See, I was thinking about Binz as a living person. I feel like he was probably this brilliant professor, but the problem is sometimes you have people who are so smart in their subjects, that kind of makes it harder for them to be a good teacher. And the aspect that they kind of struggle with is just connecting with the kids and making it interesting to kids because not every kid is interested in the thing that you're passionate about like I mean I could talk about Shakespeare for forever but not every kid is gonna love that so you have to make it interesting for them and I feel like Ben's just doesn't know how to do that but if somebody else tackled the subject I feel like they really could because the history of magic I mean it sounds fascinating to me
0: I think it could be one of those subjects that's actually the highlight of your schedule, Mm -hmm. especially for like muggle boards.
1: Oh, yeah. It'd be interesting to hear how like the same way how technology has advanced, like how has magic advanced over the years?
0: Yeah. I mean, giant wars. sound Really cool. (laughs) Like I would want to learn about that.
1: I would also want to know like how much they go into the methods for hiding those types of things from the muggles, because I think that'd be really interesting. Especially in the ages where there was, you know, witch trials and and whatnot of.
0: That's true, but here's my question for you: hmm. You're Professor Bins.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: whether you're a ghost or not. <laughs> you're teaching in the magical world. Yeah. And while you have magic, you don't necessarily have technological advances at your disposal. You don't. You can't show them a movie of the giant wars (laughs) like we could show movies of like saving private ryan here's this d-day well
1: i don't know i pearl harbor i I personally had an amazing history teacher shout out to mr fay um but he like he didn't really show movies all that much but he would do so many activities that would try to put you straight into the time period and connect for us like put ourselves into the shoes of the people who were living during that time. And we looked at so many, like, songs and comics and everything about the culture. So it wasn't just like, here's the year that this thing happened. Like, we we experienced it. And I feel like if Professor Binns did that, it could be super fun to learn about giant wars and goblin revolutions and even the crazy wizards who just exploded themselves or whatever the case may be
0: so here's my very quick story because we we do have other classes to talk about <laughs> but here's my very quick story about
1: no one has ever talked about professor Benz's this
0: one of my professors did have uh, a style of teaching that was like literally one of those old projectors and he would mm-hmm. just move the slide. papers over the projector yeah. and you just literally take notes in the entire class but which is very similar to bins's style of teaching mm-hmm. however he he would mix in some liveliness to it. Yeah. If it was a exam day, he would blast Sandstorm. <laughs> like he would make the floors yeah. shake. You always knew he was giving out exams when you heard that blast. Second way is he'd have us do maps. Mm. And he would actually have us color in what the world looked like mm-hmm. in Roman times or what the world looked like during World War I or whatever. Yeah. And then the third way is he would spice up his notes just a little bit to keep you, like, in. (laughs) So we'd come back from winter break, and he would start off the notes with a long time ago in a civilization far, far away. Nice. <laughs> like, and he'd had the scroll nice. because that's what he was doing on the projector. So he would scroll down as like, the Roman civilization has fallen into disorder <laughs> as the, <laughs> as the emperor I, has fallen. You I know? really
1: feel like there are those teachers who are fantastic at lecturing. I think Bin's is just not one of those. Yeah. So, moving into potions since that was the next class that he had. I, I, Okay, one, I have to give Snape credit. The fact that he is able to walk into the room and the class falls silent, I know in part it's because they're slightly terrified of him, but these are 15-year-olds. Such immaturity. So the fact that they can just fall silent like that, like, I have to give him respect for that. But I don't give him respect with what he's doing during these actual lessons. Like, I don't know if this draught of peace was supposed to be a practice test kind of thing or just an actual here's the lesson that we're doing today but like I would assume that as you're having if it's not a test my assumption would be that you are walking around the classroom and you are trying to correct the kids before they're making stupid mistakes and he doesn't seem to be doing that because both the Gryffindors and the Slytherins alike are coming up with these potions that are the completely wrong color and consistency and just they're obviously not the draw to peace. And I mean, Harry said he couldn't see the instructions on the board because there were so many colored fumes that are just taking up all of the air space in the dungeons, which also makes me wonder why there isn't some type of ventilation system. Cause I feel like all that vapor is not great. If it's magical, vapor. Well, clearly they
0: took them out after the chamber of secrets because pipes were a problem.
1: <laughs> I don't know, but I, I feel like Snape should be going around instead of letting like, yes, there is validity in letting kids learn from their mistakes, But I feel like if you're going to be grading them on the quality of the potion that they're making, and this isn't a test, then you should be trying to correct them as they go.
0: I agree with you overall. Mm -hmm. I think it might be... Well, okay. I agree with you in most (laughs) circumstances, and that a teacher walking around helping Mm -hmm. or adding like some comments might help generally. Mm -hmm. Like in our chapter, chapter 13 that we're doing today, I think Flitwick would be really good at that.
1: Yeah, Flitwick does seem to to make the rounds of the classroom.
0: Snape, however, already inspires the fear in the kids enough to the point where they're quiet upon <laughs> entering the classroom. He might make them worse than better.
1: True. Then I think what he should have done is instead of just having the instructions on the one board that you could no longer see, they should be having, like, worksheets with the instructions to follow that they can pull up to their faces and then like follow along with it actually see the instructions
0: i I do have some spoiler thoughts on this but i'll save those for the spoiler section (laughs) um still non-spoiler though um the thing about potions is and maybe the reason why he doesn't get up and walk around Mm. is it's so regimented in the directions, oh, yeah. I mean, so some of it's
1: like if you like
0: stir breathe, clockwise three instead of four times, and it throws the whole thing, up. yeah. Like, my so, goodness,
1: well, imagine having to use the bathroom while you're brewing right. this thing.
0: So, I'm thinking like part of his teaching style is also in the format of he doesn't believe he has to because it's right there anyway, yeah. Like, it's not my fault you can't follow an instruction, which for
1: me, like, I get, but at, and maybe as fifth years, then yeah, this should be a thing, but. For me it just seems like there should be some in- there should be a purpose for the teacher being there and not just babysitting. Like interact with the kids, that's the whole point. They're learning still. So talk to them and correct them and ask them, "Wait, well, if if you don't want to correct them, then be like, "Okay, why are you about to add this? Want to take a look at the board again?" Yeah, okay, you're on that stuff, are you sure that's what you want to do? All right.
0: You're saying Snape should talk to the children. (laughs) You know full well he has no desire at all. He'll talk talk to
1: to... the Slytherins, but even they Uh, were struggling.
0: I don't think he even wants to talk to the
1: Slytherins. To be be fair, I probably wouldn't want to talk to Malfoy, because Malfoy's going to start sucking up to me and be like, okay, child. But Anyway, next class. Uh, Divination, one of your favorites. Um, Let's
0: not go too far.
1: (laughs) I enjoyed her lesson plan actually so
0: ooh you agree with me it was bit. a good lesson
1: i thought so i mean she said you know read the section that was in the book about like dream interpretation and then get with a partner interpret each other's dreams and i think that that is a good activity i mean it's good within a lesson period to have multiple activities because your brain will lose focus after 15-20 minutes so it's always a really good idea to switch it up um the only thing i would probably have changed i feel like all these hogwarts professors are just assuming that the kids when you tell them to read something they're actually going to read it i know from firsthand experience that when you tell a kid to read things some of them will read it some of them will pretend like they're reading it some of them will just stare out the window and like or the ones that do read it are so confused like I I don't know what I just read especially if it's super boring so I would probably read it with them and discuss it as we went and then tell each other to you know interpret each other's dreams which is a personal topic it kind of reminds me a little bit maybe not as extreme but a little bit with Lupin's um Bogart lesson because you're facing your greatest fear do you really want people to know that and Do you really want them to know your, you know, deepest, darkest nighttime dreams? But at the same time, I do think it's a really good lesson. And I think the homework is interesting and easy enough to do. I mean, they're complaining about their homework all the time. It's literally just write down your dream. Not that hard.
0: So Harry specifically says he doesn't want... To tell anybody about his dreams.
1: Yeah, he doesn't want to share it, which I completely understand. Which I I find hilarious,
0: though, because he's blamed in the past, Trelawney, for like making up stuff or whatever, and that's fine. But he has things that actually could (laughs) benefit from some interpretation. Kinda. Yeah. I wonder if that Dream Oracle
1: book would interpret Harry's dreams correctly or not. Fair enough. I do enjoy Ron like bringing up the dream about him playing Quidditch, which is of course we'll get to more into later with Ron and Quidditch. But uh, she's really dropping the the little hints of what's to come early in the chapter, which I think is cool. Um, then we moved into Defense Against the Dark Arts, our first time with Umbridge, <laughs> uh, everyone's favorite. Um, to be fair to Umbridge, I don't think she's wrong with what she initially says she tells them how their learning has been fragmented which is a big problem um i feel like with a lot of the classes that they take especially like potions and transfiguration and um charms it reminds me of like math class or in english your writing your grammar it all builds upon it Self, and you have to master the basics foundation before you can get to the higher stuff. I feel like Defense Against the Dark Guards hasn't been able to establish any type of scaffolding from year to year to year because every professor has done something completely different. I mean, like Lupin's, yes, he was a great professor, but he's covering dark creatures because that's his wheelhouse. And Party Crafts Jr., in the form of Moody... Of course, is doing the Dark Curses, which he also has a lot of experience with. Coral, I'm sure, actually did legitimate stuff, but it was probably basic because
0: We also didn't get very much of it. We him didn't in the really see
1: much of it. It was his first year, and he, to be fair, was a little preoccupied at the time. He
0: had some stuff going on.
1: <laughs> Lockhart also had a lot on his mind, and it was Lockhart. Lockhart was on Lockhart's mind. So I feel like we really haven't had a chance to build up a basic curriculum for them. So I do think she has a valid point of we should understand the principles of what is Defense Against the Dark Guards. And I do think the second point she had about learning when you should use it is also really good. Um, And putting it into context as to like. know here's how you recognize the situation here's a particular spell you could use this is the legality behind it that kind of stuff but to be perfectly fair Hermione and every other child in that room is correct they have to practice it I know you and Molly were talking about practicing in order to like get better at it and that's so true of so many things and if you're going to become a great author, like you have to practice writing and no one is good from the start. And Umbridge's ridiculous belief that, yeah, on the owls, if you study the theory lo- well enough and you've read it well enough, then sure, you can pass. Like, no, woman, I that's not how education works. You have to actually do the stuff. That part just makes me mad. That's just a hundred percent her being, you know, government-dictated education. I also did not love the fact that she referenced the dangerous half-breeds of um, Lupin. I feel like she went way too far with that. I mean, that's showing in her prejudice. And she did mention, too, how Moody, Freddie Couch Jr., had showed them spells that were far too complex for their age. I found that a little insulting. They were 14, 15-ish year olds at the time. I think that a lot of people underestimate what students are capable of, what teenagers specifically are capable of. Yes, they're still immature, but they show maturity in other ways that just sometimes astounds you. And I think since Moody crouched, like, he showed them the spells in a way that was like a safe environment and the spell that he practiced with them i mean he wasn't having them like go out and hurt each other it was perform gymnastics sing a song like you know he
0: only took away their free will
1: <laughs> yes but it was in a school safe environment
0: for fourth years.
1: Yeah, but would you rather have them learned it in like
0: no, out in
1: the field?
0: Here's where I disagree with you. I I okay. think I think she's right. I think <laughs> because their education has been so fragmented. Mm-hmm. They have learned some stuff that I don't, don't think they have any business actually learning at that age that they are at.
1: Okay, I'll give you this. She pro- he probably should have sent home permission slips being like can, Can I, I take this? away your
0: kid's free will? Can I
1: perform this curse on your child? Yes or no? He'd probably get a lot of no something. He'd
0: probably get arrested. That's <laughs> illegal.
1: <laughs> and an educational purpose, though. That's, I don't know. Let's,
0: uh, let's be at least somewhat more conservative and be like, that's a newt level thing.
1: Okay, I could give that's you a that. That's
0: a graduate level thing.
1: <laughs> I think at least like telling them about it, showing it to them... That was good. Maybe but, learn what they are in your fourth year and then new level practice it. So
0: r- being real for a second, that, what she says there about learning magic too advanced for your learning level
1: mm-hmm.
0: strictly comes from the trial and her hearing, I'm sorry, you learned a Patronus charm oh, in your 100- third year? Yeah, 100 That's where that comes from. 100%, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, literally, that's a one-to-one. <laughs> <laughs> So that's where that comment comes from, but
1: well, and there's the fear that, you know, Dumbledore is training up these children to like fight a war, fight a war and overturn fudge and all that. So let's try to make sure they do as little magic as possible. I love Pravati talking about like how the practical part of the owl it's, it's so important and to me, just because I'm an English teacher, it reminds me of like When you have in America, when you're taking either the ACT or the SAT, those standardized tests that a lot of colleges will look at, a lot of them do have an essay portion. And it's like, if I had just been like, okay, study the letters of the alphabet and study the parts of speech and now write a fancy essay that's going to get you into college uh not gonna happen for anybody i don't care how much we've studied the theory of sentence structure like there's absolutely no way you can write a compelling argument with fluid transitions and have a variety of complex writing structures unless you practice it so they need to practice this defense against dark arts magic in order to defend themselves i will give also umbridge credit of her whole obsession with making sure everybody raises their hands before they speak I personally don't have a problem with kids just shouting out answers, whatever. But I, I, to me, I feel like it it makes the class feel more like a discussion instead of just a you answer to me, then I answer back and whatever. Um, but I know a lot of people like they can't handle the chaos of just shouting out answers, so I'll, I'll give her that. Um, and I also have to enjoy the fact that she doesn't know everybody's names. I am also currently going it's through It's her
0: first day. That's
1: what I'm saying. It's realistic. I am also going through the struggle of trying to learn so many new names. I have 73 student names to now learn, plus 30 or 40 adult names to learn, because I just started at a brand new district. So I understand the struggle.
0: I think Harry mentions that he's in front of 30-something students when this all takes place maybe i don't remember so the number so if there's two classes per class if there's mm-hmm. if there's two houses per class so you
1: are saying there's like 60 kids
0: correct that she has to teach for Six, just that year correct times yeah. 7 yeah that's insane and that's roughly
1: that i
0: how many kids
1: they if they have a spell or some kind of potion that helps people learn names Please teach it to me because I am so awful at learning the names. Because not only is it the first name, but it's also the last name, too, that you got to know.
0: For anyone doing that quick math, uh, and I just use the calculator, <laughs> it's 420 That's students name's. at Hogwarts. That's
1: so many names. I'm sure the teachers at bigger schools than mine, I, I'm, I teach in a very rural district, so we are tiny, I, I, can't, I can't. Well, and you I figure the nude
0: students are probably less, because some people probably do just leave. Yeah. But, anyway.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot. So... So I give her credit for that. But, in general, her rapport with the kids, not great, because she talks down to them quite a bit.
0: Well, speaking of just school, we'll get more on classes. <laughs> and we'll get more on Umbridge here in a second.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Very quick second. But... Uh, it's always amazing to me how fast news travels in a school,
1: especially small schools,
0: Espe- any school like I went but to especially
1: small school. Well, no,
0: because I remember I, I go I went to a medium sized high school mm-hmm. um, when I went there and literally something happened. Second period. Everybody knew about it by this period <laughs> like the I'll whole you, school
1: i'll give you one better my very first day of teaching ever in a school that probably had about 100 kids my first period from first period to second period which was literally three minutes everybody in the school already had formed an opinion about me based on what the kids in my first hour class had said it was fast <laughs>
0: Well, everybody at Hogwarts had an opinion formed on Umbridge in about two minutes, so... Which,
1: to be fair, I mean, she really gave that great first impression, so... (laughs)
0: Um, But anyway, so uh, we have a very quick Harry interacting with Hermione moment right out the gate in this chapter where... You know, Hermione explains to Harry, it's like, you know, maybe everyone didn't believe Albus at the end of year four, at the end of the Triwizard Tournament. You know, think about it. Like, yes, he gives his speech, but then everybody goes home Mm -hmm. and spends a couple of months hearing all kinds of other propaganda. Uh, And she's like, Harry, maybe everybody didn't really believe that. He's like, but it's the truth. (laughs) And and Hermione goes, yeah.
1: Obviously. I know. <laughs>
0: Why are you yelling at me about it? Yeah. And so my question to you is, was in this conversation, was Harry yelling at Hermione or was he yelling at the situation as a whole? Situation. Because I feel like in the book, it, when you're reading it, it mm-hmm. comes across, especially with Hermione's response back to him. Mm-hmm. It makes you want to believe that he's yelling at her. When I think I in that know. situation, he's more just yelling into the vagueness of
1: into the void. Of, into the I'm void. I'm telling of, the truth. Believe me. Already. Right. I don't think
0: he's pointing it at anybody specifically. No,
1: I, I, I think it's just at the situation, and I feel like Hermione is saying something because both Ron and her have been accused of, you know, thinking he's a liar or something. Not. Not directly. I mean like they've they've mentioned like, oh, you know, Lavender didn't believe you and Seamus. sheamus doesn't believe you. And Harry's like, Oh, you're talking to them about how I'm a like, no, child, obviously not. Like I think Hermione's just a little sick of it and just kind of wants to bring attention for Harry to the fact that he keeps doing this. Please stop. Um, but I think it is just like it's to the void.
0: You know what? There's an interesting quote that Harry says around this conversation. And he goes, quote, we've never had great Defense Against the Dark Arts teachers, mm-hmm. end quote. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting comment to say when he's at least had Lupin. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was just a quote that popped out to me. It was like, well, that's kind of weird for him to say.
1: I think he's just looking at it as the average. <laughs> and one out of... Five, I'll give it one and a half if you want to couch, crouch of just not being good. I just love Hermione's outburst of like, this is the year we have to take the exams that determine our future, and we are stuck with this woman who is literally telling us not to do magic. How is this happening to me?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we get this little tension between them early in this chapter, mm. and here's my first big question for you. Uh-oh. I know. <laughs> I I'm reading this and throughout the last couple of chapters they've commented on uh the fact that Voldy has essentially caused a split and a mm. rift in the wizarding world and he hasn't even done anything yet. He's just mm. literally existed.
1: Just the fear of him or the right. the disinformation.
0: But we don't see the wizarding world as a whole. Mm-hmm. We see Hogwarts. We see this little microcosm of wizards. So when I was reading this chapter and the strife between the three of them, it started just hitting me of like, is our trio, the, the golden trio, Harry, mm-hmm. Ron, and Hermione, are they like this mini metaphor for the wizarding world as a whole. Because you're seeing a very tight knit group of three Mm -hmm. start to slowly splinter a little bit. Splinter a little bit and snapping at each other and having little squabbles. Which
1: I feel is also amplified by just normal teenage hormones. They're getting older. They're maturing and people get Angsty (laughs) during that time. Yeah,
0: but I'm seeing this like parallel because they always talk about it. How it's like, Boldy's back, okay, and the adults you see splitting Mm -hmm. on it, but you never associate the the trio splitting Mm -hmm. the same way, Mm -hmm. even though they're chirping at each other a little bit more. Everybody's a little bit more on edge.
1: Yeah, I. I think that's a good point. I feel like in general with situations like this, in the real world as well as in the the visiting world, if there's a danger, people get more on edge and that takes away their patience and their empathy and you kind of look out for yourself more than for others and that leads to snippiness and attitude and uh, just a lot of unpleasantry and there's a little bit about that with their interactions with each other. They all have other, they have a lot on their minds.
0: So, continuing on with the trio Mm -hmm. and the trio being a little on edge with each other Mm -hmm. uh, we get some Ron Hermione interactions. (laughs) And the first one is Ron expecting Hermione to just dictate his homework.
1: (laughs) He is so lucky he decided to actually befriend her. Like, she's Google. Come on. Like, how does he do his homework otherwise? But
0: seriously, shouldn't, like... And this is referring to Snape's moonstone homework Uh from the previous chapter.
1: Yeah, like, look up the properties of... Why can't you look that up in a book? You would think it'd be really easy. I'm sure the textbook has it, like, bolded with, uh, like, a header and lots of paragraphs of examples. Like, it shouldn't be hard homework. All of their homework really isn't that hard. I mean, like, they they complain, like, oh, 12 inches of writing. That's a piece of paper, one-sided. That's not hard. Oh, I have to draw the diagram of this creature. Okay, they gave you time in class to do it. Use your time wisely. Your dream diary, You, can, no one can check your dreams. You can make them up as they do. Or you could be like, I have a reoccurring nightmare. Or like, just put three sentences. I know I went to Disney World and there were zombies. That's all I remember. Interpret it like it's not that hard.
0: I know. No, I agree with you. <laughs> So I mean, they're so dramatic. They're very dramatic, and, <laughs> but keep in, keep in mind, everybody, we are getting this through the Adult perspective. perspective. Well, yeah. no, no, we're, but we're reading Harry Potter through the eyes of a fifteen year old child. Yeah, like that's what we're getting this perspective from. So yeah, Ron expecting Hermione to dictate his homework uh, was interesting. Mm-hmm. But then now we have so we have a Ron and Hermione thing again because Hermione spots Fred and George. Uh, with a gaggle of first years around them. <laughs> and I wanted to get your opinion on the Hermione wanting Ron to help in the disciplining of Fred and George.
1: That's so hard. That's so hard to make a decision about. It's such a good question. So good job on that. But. I kind of agree with Molly. I, I'm probably going to change my mind as I talk. but like, Let's do
0: that. Let, let's have it as a poll for this episode, huh?
1: I really should be.
0: That should be the poll question for this episode. It really
1: should be. Because, I mean, it, it is true. Like, I mean, you would think you'd be able to talk to your sibling and be like, look, really? Okay, you need to cut this out. But at the same time, the dynamic between the twins and Ron his entire life has been like, You know, you're a little brother and you're not as goofy and fun as us. And you're always kind of like living in our shadows and the shadows of all your other brothers. And you're a little uncertain. You're not very confident. So we're going to like poke fun at you as much as we can. It's hard to stand up and discipline a sibling like that if that's the dynamic you've always had. But I also get Hermione's perspective of. Why do I have to be the bad guy, right? Like, I guess this is this is our job. We have to do this. This was the
0: responsibility.
1: Is it, is it that your was job? Given... Well,
0: because where's okay. the head boy and head I girl know. here?
1: I they like do not exist. Is it I...
0: is, is it her job? I'm not sure <laughs> it even is.
1: Or what about like the six year prefix too? Like, who knows where they are at? But no, I I think I would I would guess that it. The responsibility does fall on her. And the reason why I say that is because it reminds me of when I was in college and I was an RA. For those who don't know, an RA was like your residential advisor. So it was the student in charge of the other students on the communal floor in your dorm room. And if I was on duty and I had a situation where someone was doing something they weren't supposed to do, Even if I called for backup, I was the one that had to write the report. I was the one that had to confront the resident because I was the one who witnessed it
0: first. Can I throw something out there that I just thought of now? Hmm. I get Neville is still growing into Mm -hmm. his confidence. and I think McGonagall specifically says in this chapter... It's not your abilities; it's your confidence. Yeah, like that's what you need to work on. Yeah, he showed early on in his first year that he's willing to stand up to his friends.
1: Yeah, you're going at he should have been prefixed.
0: Kinda, yeah. Yeah,
1: I could see that.
0: Wouldn't he have earned that potential right?
1: He's probably just. I mean, he's being underestimated. I I originally was an alternative for the RA job because I think when I did the interview, I was too quiet and shy because i'm a very introverted person although i know i'm doing a podcast right now like you hear my voice around the world but no i'm like i'm shy so i feel like when i did the interview people were like there's no way she can confront someone and put them in their place can we talk about spew
0: we can so what happens here, First of all, I love uh, Hermione wins that Fred and George argument by saying she'll threaten him by contacting Molly. Yeah,
1: and that like, shuts him up so fast. Great way
0: to end that. <laughs> uh, but yes, we can go to, to some of Hermione's work with house elves. Uh-huh. And Hermione ends up trying to disguise the clothes under trash and other assorted things mm-hmm. in the attempts to potentially free the house elf
1: which ron believes is tricking the house
0: elves my question to you elizabeth is what do you believe
1: well can i before i answer that question can i go down a rabbit hole that i saw so my question as i was reading this was like okay can the house elves touch the clothing like that like are they able to do laundry? Because Ron made the point like, well, they probably don't even recognize those as hats. Are they really hats? But Hermione leaving the clothes out, like does that count as free? So I went to, I found a website uh, uh, called sci stackerexchange.com where there was this big debate. And basically what it boiled down to is the master has to present an item of clothing, meaning that it's an intended gift. Um, so when Lucius Malfoy gave the sock to Dobby, it wasn't that he was intending the sock to be the gift, but he was intending Dobby to have the diary. So therefore, Dobby is like interpreting it as, I've been presented a sock, therefore I'm free. So he's been a little loose with the rules, but he's going with it. Hermione's hats and scarves wouldn't necessarily count. So the theory that basically that website was coming down to is that clothes will only count as freeing the house elf if the owner of the clothes is knowingly giving up the ownership. So, yes, they can touch clothes. They can do laundry. They could technically be touching these scarves and hats that Hermione's leaving around. It's not going to count. She's not going to free anyone. If anything, she's insulting them, and I think that would make her super upset if she realized that, but she's not
0: because... Also, I feel like it has to be specifically Dumbledore giving them this, not, yeah. not her. Like, as, I don't as, think her you, she, has you any You have impact.
1: no ownership of these elves. Right. You can't free them. Right.
0: So I think, and for Hermione, this is a rare, hard miscalculation on multiple levels. Yeah. So this is just an odd thing. But forget the legality of it for just a second. <laughs> Morally. Should she be? Should she me? even be trying this?
1: No, I.
0: I don't think so either.
1: I think if you trick someone into doing something, believing that you know what's best for them, and not letting them make the decision for themselves, uh, it's not great. Don't do that.
0: Yeah, I think I think she's wrong technically, mm-hmm. and I think she's wrong morally in doing this. I think this is a really unfortunate misstep
1: it's wanting Hermione. what's best for the l's but,
0: but you think you know what's best
1: exactly and that people get in themselves into dangerous you know situations when they do that so
0: we agree yay uh, <laughs> we're running long on the non-spoiler so i'm gonna run through this fairly quickly okay um, but we get into the classes for, for, <laughs> for this for this chapter. We get double charms and double transfiguration.
1: Well, I mean, basically all of them are just being like, hey, you need to make sure you study because this is super important. Don't embarrass us. Like, this is your future. Pay attention to what you're doing.
0: I already mentioned that McGonagall does reassure Neville that it's not his work. It's his confidence mm-hmm. that needs help, um, which is an important moment, I think. Mm-hmm. Again, we don't really see much of charms other than just him reiterating that the owls are important. We get care of magical creatures not taught by Hagrid. No. And even Harry has to admit that that was an exemplary. <laughs>
1: Which makes him so upset.
0: Yeah. It puts <laughs> like, him in a gosh real darn it,
1: up. I learned something today.
0: Ugh. Yeah, so, and the lesson was on bow truckles.
1: Mm-hmm. Which I also thought was a great activity. I mean, it was hands-on, it was informative. She made the connection for them to the real world. Like, like why is it important that we're studying this creature? Because they're the ones that are in the wand trees. Your wand comes from the wood that they protect. That's but also, cool.
0: Elizabeth, they will gouge your eyes out.
1: <laughs> well, don't try to break him in half.
0: <laughs> um, I do like the idea that Malfoy is getting more collage messages from Lucius, uh, <laughs> who's sending him some info on Hagrid, it seems like.
1: Yeah, he made the reference to Hagrid might be like doing something that's a little too big for him.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do um, that
1: that means?
0: So maybe he's clued into a little bit more information, which Harry's like, well, his father's a Death Eater, so he might actually know something. <laughs> then we go to Herbology, where we get a couple of different votes of confidence in Harry, which he desperately, desperately needs, even if one of them is a little uncertain that he actually wants
1: that. Yeah, I mean, Luna says she believes him, and she says it so like. Like, she sees him and makes, like, a beeline towards him. And it's like, I believe you and everything that you have said. And, of course, she, people are giggling because it's loony love good. But
0: She's wearing radishes for earrings.
1: It's a choice. <laughs> Ernie, though, he also is like, you know what? It's not just weirdos who believe you. I also believe you. So he's like, okay, well, I appreciate that. Even if you're a little pompous.
0: Well, Ernie seems like he's not going to make the same mistake twice, because he did not believe him in Chamber of Secrets. I'm
1: glad he learned. Like, that does show a little bit of character growth. Even if you don't know that much about Ernie, it's nice to see that aspect, so.
0: So, jumping ahead to one of, not one of, the big thing. (laughs) Well, there's... The point of the
1: chapter? There's, well, there's... This was a long chapter. There are
0: multiple examples of this, though. He goes to multiple detentions with Umbridge, Mm -hmm. so... Uh, this first one is really what I think we're going to be focusing on, because obviously it just expounds from here. But
1: Well, I mean, the first one was doomed from the start. He was yelled at by Angelina to go try to get off of Friday's detentions, and that's when the Quidditch tryouts are happening. And Umber is like, oh, you want me to do you a favor? Absolutely not.
0: So... Since it's detention, I want to get Elizabeth's sauce on this. But I'm just going to run down what all of this kind of entails. Mm-hmm. You get um, his first impressions of the room, which is you get... Disgusting. D- dried flowers, lace cloths, doilies, and a collection of plates with technicolor cats everywhere, all meowing. She immediately starts off the interaction with an antagonizing comment, which is, you're here because, quote, spreading evil... Nasty <laughs> attention-seeking stories, which evil and nasty is one thing. Mm-hmm. The real knife that she twists is the attention-seeking yeah. one. That's the knife.
1: Well, it's the thing that he, she knows is going to set him off the most because uh-huh. he does not. Nev- he never wants attention, and he always gets it.
0: So I, I want I want to actually ask a question on that, but I'm going to get into more of this attention before I ask the question.
1: Okay.
0: The actual detention comprises. He must do lines. He must write lines. Mm -hmm. And the line is, quote, I must not tell lies, Mm -hmm. end quote. And he must do it for as long as it takes for the message to sink in. Yeah. And what Harry doesn't realize at that point Mm -hmm. in time is the quill that he is given essentially etches those words, I must not tell lies, into the back of his hand.
1: It's cutting him.
0: Thus producing the red ink slash... Blood. Yeah. That he's actually writing.
1: Yeah. She had to have gotten that quill in, like, Nocturne Alley.
0: I I mean, I would think that might be a Borgen and kind of (laughs) supply.
1: It's sadistic.
0: So Harry decides that his strategy here is not to show weakness. Yeah. He can't show that it's painful. He can't show that this is alarming him in any way. Well,
1: to the point he doesn't even tell Ron or Hermione. Yeah.
0: Uh, Harry does end up lying to Ron and Hermione about what the detention is. Also, and, and here's a big thing from it: is this detention is at five o'clock? Okay. He says it goes.
1: It goes so to long. midnight. Who is this supposed to be like punishing the student or the teacher?
0: But we, this isn't just her though, because we got the same general thing from Lockhart.
1: I know. These Hogwarts attentions are awful.
0: When do they have time to get anything done?
1: They don't. Like, I mean, okay. If you... Like, with Lockhart, it was, yes, addressing the envelopes of the fan mail. But he was also helping. So this was, like, enthusiastic, fun thing for Lockhart. I imagine Umbridge is sitting there doing other work while he's writing the lines. But if you're there past midnight and then you have to get up early to teach the next day and then you're staying late again then like the next day and you're doing this all week no i no so so, you couldn't pay me to do that like at all here's
0: my question to you then Mm -hmm. and i know let's not beat around the bush here it's torture she's literally administering torture yeah but what i want to what I want to pose to you outside of the literal torture, which is awful <laughs> and just horrendous on every level. I
1: mean, God, imagine if you had a student who had previous experience with like cutting or suicidal, like how this could backfire hardcore.
0: I don't even know that you could say it backfires. It's just bad. And, and, you know, like there's no Yeah,
1: everything is bad.
0: <laughs> but let let me throw this out at you here. Uh-huh. Is umbrage, although harshly <laughs> Actually, teaching Harry a lesson here. And le- let me. Oh,
1: what's the lesson you're thinking she's teaching?
0: I think she is actually teaching him to control his temper. Mm. Because she comes up with the cutting statement at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And McGonagall could tell him a thousand times don't test her, don't mm-hmm. push her, mm-hmm. don't be stupid. And he will continue to be stupid. <laughs> but she's doing this. And
1: You're immediately best he's best. like,
0: I I won't. I won't engage.
1: I think she's unintentionally teaching him that lesson. Well, that's and the lesson I she think, wants to teach. No, I think the lesson she wants to teach is... Don't tell lies. She wants him to shut up. and Sit
0: down and shut up is the lesson. Sit
1: down and shut up. And for Harry...
0: But the problem is, sometimes he needs to sit down and shut up.
1: Well, I think the reason why he's learning that lesson is because of his own stubbornness. Here's a villain. Here's someone I can hate because she's, she's torturing me. So I'm going to do the same strategy that I use against Voldemort. I'm going to make sure that you don't see how you're getting to me. I'm going to stand up and have the bravery of Gryffindors and I'm going to suck it up and deal with oh. it and then we'll just hate each other for the rest I, of our I education. want to make this very
0: clear. I do not justify the means she is using <laughs> to He's get learning, this result. He
1: is learning that lesson. It's horrible that this is how he finally decides to learn it. He could have easily just listened to McGonagall. She's a very wise woman. You should listen mm-hmm. to her. but It's it's just evil.
0: Do you think Harry's right in not telling Ron and Hermione initially about the detention?
1: No, I would immediately tell my friends.
0: I do like his reasoning. Not that I necessarily agree I mean, with it, yeah, like his, but I like the reasoning of once I say it out loud, it, it becomes then real. becomes real and worse.
1: Yeah. That's
0: a very that's a very realistic way of viewing it.
1: Yeah, and he knows he doesn't want to worry them. He doesn't want their reactions because he knows if they're upset, they're more upset than he is. They've done that before with his scar hurting, so...
0: I'm just going to keep firing questions at you. How about that? (laughs) Here's another question I got for you. Harry's having a week. It's a lot for him, and he's almost at the point where it's like, man, is Umbridge actually worse than Snape? So my question to you is, what is worse? (laughs) Mental emotional abuse? or physical abuse?
1: Oh, that's a hard question.
0: Because you're getting the physical from Umbridge and Uh you're getting the mental emotional from Snape.
1: I think right now the physical is catching him off guard because he has never been mistreated with violence before. He's been used to Snape's tactics because that's the same tactics that the Dursleys use so snide comments the emotional mental torture like to him that's just old news uh, having blood be shed for this person i mean that's a that's a different wheelhouse so you're here.
0: literally going with he's already broken mentally and emotionally
1: <laughs> it's it's unfortunate a lot of times people that have had that abuse that trauma as children they develop you know, techniques to cope with it. And I think Harry has coping mechanisms for emotional distress, but physical he's never had to develop. So that's why it comes across as so shocking to him.
0: So (laughs) really quickly to wrap up this non-spoiler section, I don't want to leave Ron out because Ron gets a big moment.
1: Yeah, he does. So
0: we find out that Ron has been also behind on all of his homework, (laughs) not because he's having... Seven-hour-long detentions. <laughs> God, but because he's been practicing for the Quidditch tryouts, mm-hmm. and while to the keeper. and while Harry is in detention, to Angelina Johnson's dismay, mm. the goalie try, the keeper try. I keep calling them goalies. The keeper tryouts, <laughs> uh, the keeper tryouts are actually occurring, mm-hmm. and he's able to catch glimpses, but he can't really see who's who and mm-hmm. what's going on. And we find out that indeed Ron has won the keeper tryout, though Angelina Johnson's like, well...
1: He wasn't the best. He wasn't the
0: best flyer, but I'm banking on his family pedigree of Yeah, like, literally
1: all of the siblings except Bill and Percy, as far as we know of for Bill, have been on the Quidditch team.
0: Yeah. Um, Instead, you know, she she chooses Ron over two new characters, and I gotta say their names because that's what I do. Uh, He beat out Vicky Frobisher mm-hmm. and Jeffrey Hooper. Mm. So there you go. There's two new names. Um, so trivia for you. A little bit of trivia for you. So uh, we're going to wrap up the non-spoiler here because it's gone quite long. But we do have some interesting points to bring up in the spoiler section. So mm-hmm. please hang around and listen to whatever crazy thoughts we come up with <laughs> in the in the second half of this episode. Yay! We'll be right back. We see it, What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. All right, we are back with the spoiler section of Chapter 13, Detention with Dolores. I still love the alliteration. (laughs) Fair enough. So I got a couple of spoilers from this particular chapter and then a couple of overarching uh, spoiler discussions that we can get into. Okay. So from this, very quickly... With Snape writing the instructions to the drought of peace Mm -hmm. on the board. Mm -hmm. Isn't that essentially the Half-Blood Prince textbook (laughs) when he's like, do this. (laughs) He's writing that on the board.
1: Yeah. And I think Harry pays attention to the textbook more than Snape because the textbook isn't glaring at him and making snide comments the whole time.
0: Well, he's, it's also not clear that it's Snape. Right. But, I mean, essentially, the instructions on the board, if you're believing that the Half-Blood Prince literally corrected the, the author mm-hmm. of the potions book, and was like, oh, this potion's better actually if you do this. Mm-hmm. Well, he's now written
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: how you should do this potion
1: yeah.
0: up here on the board. All right, the other thing. Mm -hmm. I'm just throwing this out there. Mm
1: -hmm. There
0: There's a potential curse. Not a potential. I think it's pretty much confirmed that there was a curse on the position of the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. Oh, 100% there was. And Albus is fully aware of this Mm -hmm. at this point. So do you think like, when Umbridge is dropping down her opening of the year speech and then things go along and this book goes along, do you think he's just sitting wherever he is, either in his office or wherever he goes to outside of Hogwarts when he gets Be like, finished?
1: like, the not coming, back next year. No, but
0: do you think he's like relishing, like, I wonder how she's gonna go. <laughs> how is she gonna get booted from this?
1: I feel like Umbridge definitely was like, mm, I can last very long. All those other teachers were not nearly as good as me. I will... Jinx, what jinx? Do you think?
0: Well, they no one knows about this other than Dumbledore.
1: Well, I mean, no, there's the rumors that it's it's cursed. Dumbledore is the only one that like knows for a fact can confirm. Yeah, which is why I still think like the better job for Harry as an adult, I think, to make it all full circle would have been have him be the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher at Hogwarts. How perfect would that have been?
0: But do you think Dumbledore is petty enough to go up to Fudge and be like, oh, you want to place a member of your ministry in this position? I want her. (laughs) (laughs) Like, do you think he's petty (laughs) enough to just be like, yes, you can have a position at Hogwarts? I thought
1: Fudge was very... Okay, I could see it as being one of two things. Either Fudge was like, Dolores, I know that you are not going to put up with Dumbledore's crap, so you go do it. Or she volunteered herself to do it because we know she's already tried to take Harry down in one area, and if Fudge has been complaining about Dumbledore as much as he's been complaining about Harry, what a perfect opportunity for her to take them both down. Do you think... For Fudge. This
0: is kind of switching topics a little bit, but do you think Umbridge, uh, after the trial... Mm-hmm. And while teaching, do you think she has the opposite reaction to Harry as Snape? In that Snape assumes he's not as talented as everybody believes, mm-hmm. whereas Umbridge is like, "No, this kid might be a problem. He might be too talented, and I'm going to have to knock him down a couple of pegs that way." Do you know? You know what I'm saying? I could see that. Like the opposite reaction. I mean,
1: her job is.
0: Same outcome of I gotta take him down a couple of notches. Yeah. But for different reasons.
1: Yeah, I think hers is very much coming straight from Fudge of we have to discredit this child as much as possible because he has the potential to make my life difficult. So if he seems to be doing well, give him another detention. Why not?
0: Well, I think he's already proven that he's doing well if he and she would know Mm -hmm. that Oh, no, he's right. There were two Dementors. And he got rid of them with the Patronus.
1: <laughs> when he's taking his practical owl later on for Defense Against the Dark Arts and he looks at her and imagines her being, like, fired and then he makes this wonderful Patronus and she just, like, looks back. It's like, I hate your guts. And he's like, <laughs> I, I, I just, hate you, too. I just feel like
0: it's two opposite reactions of those two teachers. Like, they both dislike Harry. Mm-hmm. But one's like, Oh, he's too cocky. He he's not that good. Mm-hmm. And the other one's like, no, he's, he's good. too good. We we're gonna have to slow him down.
1: I've a never little thought bit. about it like that before, but yeah, I, I could see it.
0: All right. So some over some overarching kind of discussion points here. Mm-hmm. I think we get more of this. Harry doesn't want to go to Albus, Harry doesn't want to go to McGonagall mm-hmm. with the detention stuff. And first of all, he... he
1: Harry wants to do everything on his own. He wants to be independent.
0: Yeah, and and I get that. You know, he obviously tried to get out of the detentions with McGonagall, and McGonagall's like, "Nope, you you earned this. You're gonna have to <laughs> you're gonna have to own up." So he thinks McGonagall's gonna do the same. Like, oh, this is just the part of the detention. It's to her discretion. So you're gonna have to own up. Which I don't think she'd react that way. Hmm. But to his overall point, I don't know what she could do about it. So, um, it's a little bit of both.
1: I mean, if I heard that one of my coworkers was cutting children or or being verbally abusive, or
0: well, she's I mean, heard of verbal abuse with Snape. she's also Snape, committed verbal abuse by the way. Okay, she isn't the kindest either
1: they they have a difference between like. Okay, McGonagall, I feel like she gives snarks sometimes. And usually it's pointed. pretty cutting. Yeah, it's pointed and cutting. It's pointed and the purpose is like to get kids to stop being immature. Pay attention. My subject's important. You need to learn this. Snape's cutting comments. I mean, I think everyone takes as him just being a man with a chip on his shoulder and a grudge specifically aimed at harry and like we talked about in the spoiler section harry has developed the skills to deal with that much as he doesn't like it
0: they i feel like they both call kids moronic one's just better at it (laughs) snape snape
1: better snape just uses the word (laughs) mcgonagall
0: is definitely calling them stupid, <laughs> just in a more disguised, camouflaged way. I
1: think my students have learned anytime I call them child instead of like their name, that's me being like, okay, you need to stop and like think, think? for yeah. a second yeah. and then let's try being smarter. Like that's what that means. But yeah, I've, I've, I've never told students to shut up, but I have told them to shush their well, face. Well, I've told
0: students to shut up. I've told them. I'm to not sh- a teacher though, specifically.
1: <laughs> I've told them to shush their face. But I've known lots of teachers who've told them to shut up and and like stop being dumb and think. And is it great? No. Every kid cannot take it. You you learn your kids what they can handle and and who you can tell that to without them like crying. I think that McGonagall does a great job with that. I mean, for her, it's like I demand excellence from you. So when you're not doing that, like this is your reminder that you should do that.
0: I think I think it's a mistake for Harry, especially coming off of the most recent conversation he had with McGonagall. It's a mistake for him not to go to that resource more often. For just if you're not going to tell her about the detentions, for at least advice on how can I best. Handle
1: her. Handle
0: this class because I'm having trouble. It's difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Like this is the best shot he has at like a guidance counselor.
1: Yeah, I I was picturing her kind of like a dean of students a little bit throughout the entire series. We see that he really underuses McGonagall, and maybe it's because McGonagall likes to put a little bit of a separation between herself and her students.
0: I think it's how she (laughs) sets that boundary. I don't think her and Snape are all that different. It's just how, yes, McGonagall, obviously, before everybody jumps down my throat. (laughs) McGonagall obviously cares more about the individual student. Uh Yes. But really, their teaching styles are, hey, this is it. Yeah. You should be putting in the effort here. You should be getting this.
1: They both expect, they have high expectations. They have high standards. Yes. And they demand respect. I think McGonagall gives respect more than Snape does. Um, Yeah.
0: But I don't think there's, like, worlds apart from each other. I think they're closer to...
1: Well, I think that's also why Dumbledore has those two being his right-hand and left-hand people. Anytime there's an issue, they're always right there. Well,
0: they also give very blunt, honest feedback. Yeah. Which is what they do in classrooms, give blunt and honest feedback.
1: They're in his very, very, like, I mean, we know Dumbledore, his circle of trust is very limited, and whoever was within the circle really doesn't ever get the full picture, but those two are very, very close there. Well,
0: let's, I don't want to rush past what I just said. Mm. The blunt and honest feedback. Mm -hmm. That's why Albus values their input.
1: I think that's why the students value them as professors, too. I, that's mean, why,
0: I think that's why they're actually very... Good? Good.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, granted, that's not the whole picture of their teaching. It's well, an aspect I mean, of their teaching. I mean, we're
1: completely skipping over the fact that, like, you know, Snape verbally abuses no, yeah, of course, yes. people, and that's well, yes. not great. Well, but in terms of, like, but that's what when I said it comes about... to the curriculum...
0: I'm just saying they're not as far apart than a lot of people believe.
1: I feel like we're we're going way off with the original question. Oh, we're
0: way <laughs> gone from it. We're so far gone from it. <laughs> anyway, I'm not saying they're the same person. Mm-hmm. To wrap this up, I'm not saying they're the same person, and I'm not saying McGonagall is some emotionally abusive <laughs> human being. I Obviously, she cares for her students, and obviously she's more supportive of her students than Snape yeah. ever will be or ever was. Yeah. I'm just saying she can she can be cold and she can be cutting. That's all I'm saying. I
1: think she brings it out in a more purposeful manner than Snape does. Snape will, like, he's going to cut because he's going to cut and it's going to happen a lot. McGonagall's going to make the comments that might be perceived as cutting when it's, like, Look, I'm trying to teach you something what feedback, important.
0: What feedback do you think Snape gives Seamus or Goyle when does, he makes when he makes concrete potion? Does
1: he give feedback?
0: Well, you're saying he's going to be silent in his like critiques. Well, I know
1: he gives like he Harry gets Harry his gets paperback the, that has the T on it, and it's like, ooh, wow.
0: Harry Harry gets the full force of Snape's vengeance. Yeah. Neville gets a lot of Snape's vengeance, but you're I, telling me that he doesn't. Like, he, of course. I've
1: had a few coworkers before who they've made comments to the kids, but they get away with it because they have such an established rapport with the kids. I think Snape has a history with the kids, so he can get away with making comments. The joking back and forth rapport probably doesn't exist, but I don't know. I, I feel like the vast majority of the kids realize, like, Snape is just an unpleasant man, so anything he says to you. He's saying it to everybody. If McGonagall says it to you, then you're like, oh, wow, I let her down. I should probably be better.
0: I think they have more respect for McGonagall because she's maybe not as I think demeaning. Was,
1: I think they have more respect for her because she respects them and Snape does not.
0: It sounds like we're disagreeing more than we actually, like...
1: We're being nitpicky here.
0: We're being very nitpicky. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Back to what I was originally trying to yeah, get to. Yeah, I don't even
1: remember what that was. Long
0: ago, um, Harry trying to get some advice or some counsel oh, from yeah. McGonagall. But the he other should do
1: it more often. But
0: the other half of that, the other half of that is Albus, and he says no to going to Albus mm-hmm. over the detention because he's got a lot on his plate. He hasn't even like shown any interest in Which me beyond
1: pure excuses.
0: Beyond my scar hurting, yeah. And then he throws out that feeling. He throws out that cutting remark about, like, apparently that's all I am to him is just the scar. Yeah. Um, Which is a very kind of philosophical (laughs) kind of. I
1: mean, to me, it came across as the kind of comment you'd make where you have a lot of emotions behind it. Obviously, he's very hurt about Dumbledore not paying attention to him. And he makes the comment to kind of be offhandish, but. That is what he's feeling right now.
0: Well, he's not wrong either.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, quite honestly, Albus... Scar
1: does play a big part in their relationship.
0: It does. <laughs> but the point of this whole conversation that I've tried to bring up that went way off the rails, <laughs> the point is, I believe Albus's biggest mistake that he's possibly ever made in his entire life
1: the entire life i think so even with like his sibling second biggest mistake <laughs> no no
0: no because i don't know that that's a mistake it's it's an outcome of his actions Okay. but that's not what he was trying to do okay. he didn't try to do that okay he, he wasn't consciously going i'm gonna kill my sister <laughs> that was an outcome of other things
1: okay
0: um here he intentionally is like i'm ignoring this child And I am stepping well away from
1: him. He admits it later on of like old people are foolish when they forget what it's like to be young. And I was trying to protect you and I forgot what that might come across as. But there's so many
0: simple, easy fixes. Like you don't have to take him under your wing 24-7. Yeah. Just don't ignore him 24-7. You know, I mean. Well, I
1: remember, his point was that he didn't want Voldemort to realize the relationship was ever more than pupil and professor, and Dumbledore isn't going around talking to every single. I mean, we rarely see Dumbledore hanging around the students, talking to all the students. He seems to know them all, which makes me think that. The security system at, Dumbled- at Hogwarts is top-notch, and Dumbledore's watching all the security tapes or something because he knows everybody, but I don't know. It's, he should have talked to him, yes, but he recognizes later that it was a mistake.
0: It's a big one. Yeah. And it's not just this year that he does it. He does it at multiple points. He chooses not to inform Harry on key yeah. aspects of Harry's own life.
1: Yeah. Which again, goes back to he underestimates the youth. Never underestimate teenagers.
0: He underestimates a lot more than I mean. He just he and he's just wrong. Like there's very few times when he's just very wrong.
1: Well, Aberforth says how you know Dumbledore is too smart for his own good. He he yeah you know uh, like oh I'm I'm the smartest one in the room. I'm usually the smartest person in the room. So therefore no one else has any merit with their thoughts. Like, if I'm the smartest one in the room and and nobody else has any thoughts that I consider valuable, I mean, that seems similar to scientists who are, you know, way beyond the normal human being, but if they don't listen to other people, if they don't value their input, it's like, are you still the smartest? You're going to make mistakes, and Dumbledore did too.
0: I, I think, in doing what he's doing, it's all okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna compare him to Harry here for a minute.
1: Okay.
0: So, my big issue with Harry, early on in this book, is he doesn't read the Prophet over the summer, mm-hmm. and he misses some key plot points of how they're trying to portray him. And literally, the Order of the Phoenix is no. You should really pay attention to this. And then he doesn't. And then he doesn't. And then Hermione brings it up later and he yells at Hermione, why are you read the prophet? Well, because you need to know. Okay. And Elvis is doing the same thing. Elvis mm. is ignoring Harry and missing key plot points here that he should probably be aware of. He should know what Harry's thoughts are and what Harry's, I know he's keeping tabs on Harry. Like, I know he's not, like, completely ignoring him, because he, post- he has the portrait in Grimwald f- Place. I
1: feel like he has paid closer attention to Harry than Harry realizes.
0: But he doesn't know the key details, because he doesn't talk to him ever. Right. He doesn't know what Harry's thinking. He doesn't know what Harry... He knows what Harry's doing.
1: Well, to be fair, it's hard to know what someone else is going through if they never mention it to you.
0: Yeah, but you're the adult in the room. yeah. You're the adult of the adults. Yeah, but I mean, like, Like,
1: like, okay, of of your students, like, you could have a student going through some really, really rough time, but if they never make any indication that there's something wrong for you to even ask about... No,
0: but that's different because in his situation, he's well aware of everything about what this is going through, (laughs) of what this kid's going through, what this kid means going forward, Uh and the threat itself. Like, you have all of the puzzle pieces...
1: But he's acting in a way that he thinks is protecting Right, and I
0: think this is the biggest mistake he's made. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It's a mistake, and I think it's the biggest one. Because he's missing essential plot points. Because he won't talk to the kid. You're running the risk of completely ruining your relationship with him and your credibility with him going forward by doing this.
1: Which he does also admit is a mistake. I think you and Dumbledore agree about his biggest mistake being this.
0: Maybe (laughs) we're going to wrap it up (laughs) for the spoiler (laughs) section. We've talked a lot about a lot of things. To
1: be fair, this was a very long chapter. It was a very
0: long chapter. It was a very loaded chapter with a lot of stuff. We had some kind of interesting questions that we've asked during this episode. So please let us know what your thoughts and comments are regarding chapter 13.
1: Yeah, we'll have to do that poll.
0: We're going to do the poll Uh, on is Hermione fair for bringing in Ron so check out Spotify (laughs) and let us know by participating in that poll I'm sure Elizabeth of all people will put it up (laughs) on Twitter and we'll get some of those thoughts and, I, I, you know, I can't wait. I, I love some of the polls and some of the results that we get. It's so fascinating to see what we get on some of these.
1: Yeah, if you haven't voted in them, go back and vote. There's one for each episode, and it's fun to see other people's thoughts. And
0: we do check them quite often because all of the polls we put up, on Spotify specifically, are up for a long, long time. But the reason is because people come back and they re-listen to these episodes. Yeah. No, I'm
1: glad you have them up that long.
0: So we keep them up for a very long time so people that are just discovering the podcast can actually participate. Also... Share the podcast so people can participate. (laughs) Uh, And we keep growing, which uh, we are very excited to see all of the growth that we've had. Yeah, it's very cool. You can support the podcast by clicking that link wherever you're listening to this podcast. It says support the podcast. And if you feel so inclined, you can make a donation. Uh, It really, really helps um, keep this thing going uh, because there's a lot of time and energy that we put into it. So that would be awesome. And otherwise, yeah, just like, comment, share, share. And we will see you next week for Chapter 14. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Hogwarts, a podcast. If you like what you've heard, please click the subscribe button on your preferred podcasting app and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hogwartsapod.